Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, it is good to be back. You guys did an awesome podcast down in Detroit at the job fair. Joelle did amazing. I, I'm pretty sure she can take my job now, and I'm yeah, happy to let her. You just hand her the mic. I'm now. happy to let her do that. You could fire me like Noah. <laughs> Excuse me, Warden Nagy. You know, you, you guys did a great job. So awesome podcast. Kudos to you guys. But today I'm excited to be back, and I'm excited to be back to talk about some of the great things that are happening around the department with the director's epic teams. We know what April 22nd is, right? Mr. Gouts? I do. If you listened to a couple weeks ago, Siri told me what it was, and I sounded really smart by by saying it. So Sounded is different than being, right? Yes, that's okay. true. Cause I'm it gonna, is I'm Earth gonna, Day coming up. Because I'm going to test you right now. When did Earth Day start and why? Well, see, we've got two experts here, so maybe they, they'd be far better to answer. I don't, I don't want to take up all the... Just say you don't know. No, no, I, it's not for me to answer. It, well, we, let me we tell want, you. We want let, experts let me, to be able to let say. Let me give you a little history on Earth Day, Chris. Earth Day started in 1970. Did you I know that? So we'll, that, we'll find out if that's true. We'll fact check. So you. that means this is the 48th anniversary of Earth Day, which is pretty cool. Um, it is on April 22nd. And Earth Day was actually started, Chris, by two activists, one in San Francisco and one in Wisconsin, who wanted to have everybody come together. Uh, it was a grassroots kind of demonstration. They picked the spring equinox to do all this. And it's been 48 years later, and it's still going on. And every year has a theme, Mr. Gouts. Do you know what this year's theme is? Podcast? Close. It's Save Species. So oh, yeah, that's, that was my you're close. Guess. You're very close. But yeah, no, I, I am. I am glad to have on two uh, two experts in the area of recycling and some of the stuff we're doing environmentally around the department. On is it uh, the recycling epic team? Is that what it's called? Recycling green uh, team. Yes. Okay, the recycling green team, and that was Trevor Labar, who's on today. And we also have Corey Steinman, all the way up in Alger, up in the UP. And uh, I am. yeah, so he, he's he's on the phone. We we appreciate both of you guys coming on today, taking time to talk about what's happening on the epic team. But before we get started, Corey, why don't you uh, tell everybody what you do at Alger? Well, I'm, my title is actually warehouse supervisor. I oversee the operation of any supply ordering, food receiving, but what I'm more passionate about is the recycling, refurbishing, reuse, the whole pri- those principles. Great. And uh, Trevor, what, can you explain what you do? Yeah, I'm uh, the manager of the Environmental Health, Fire Safety, and County Jail Services Unit. I handle most of the sanitation and recycling efforts of the department and have been named the recycling coordinator by the director. So that's a heck of a title. Congratulations on that. I mean, you guys are the experts on what the department is doing, has done, um, what we're looking to do. So let's start there. You know, before the EPIC team got put together, what are we doing around recycling and, and, and green initiatives around the department? Well, the department's been doing a fairly good job of recycling on its own for the last several years. Uh, there was a directive, Governor Engler actually, the end of his term to start recycling. The department started down that path then. Um, I don't know if other departments didn't take it seriously, but uh, the MDOC did. And since then, we've been uh, making an effort and we've learned that the Department of Corrections is actually leading the way in recycling compared to other departments just by what we've implemented so far. That by no means means that we are doing the best that we could be doing, but we're doing a pretty good job. The problem is, is there's no standardized way of recycling things across the department depending on where you're at. That's one of the main objectives of the Recycling Green Team is to standardize those uh, approaches. And I'm sure that's important because of 
if you've got somebody who's super passionate about it, like Corey at yeah. Alger, Alger's going to have an awesome uh, recycling program, but field office somewhere else or another facility downstate may not have an advocate like that. And so this is a way to standardize it and make it more uniform, it sounds like. That's correct. That's what we found. Uh, one of the first things the team did was we had to assess kind of what and where we were at across the department. We ran a big survey through SurveyMonkey and we found out all the types of things that all the different facilities and um, field offices actually uh, were recycling, how much. We tried to get a, a pulse of, of the department in that regard. And from that, we, we determined there was five main things that we could recycle, which would be paper, plastic, batteries, metal, and cardboard. So those are the five that team are going to focus on to start with. Well, Corey, we, we did talk before, and Chris just mentioned that you, know, you, you have a passion for this. Why is that? Frankly, I was never one to worry about the environment before. I, or the effect that I had on the future and the way environment's going to be affected by what I did. But my wife, when she and I got together, it, there's a joke going around, basically, that she was the one who brought the fishing pole to our relationship. Her devotion to her environmental outlook really rubbed off on me. That passion has just grown to me learning from her, actually. She's more of inspiration for uh, us being carbon footprint neutral as anybody if I've ever talked to. That's great. I mean, that's a pretty standard story, too. Our wives make most of us better. So, (laughs) absolutely. I totally agree with that statement. (laughs) Uh, So, let's talk about the Epic team. You know, I kind of get a glimpse of what it was like before the Epic team got put together. But let's talk about number one is it uh, FOA staff? Is it CFA? Is it everybody? What does the team consist of? It's a mix of everyone. Um, So, we have FOA staff, CFA staff, BOA staff. We want a nice, broad scope of the entire, you know, department. It's, it's a good mix. We have a lot of passionate people on the team, Corey being one of them. Um, we have several others that are really passionate. I, I believe most of the people that are on the team requested to be on this team. You, you talked about the five things that the survey brought out, correct? Now, are, we, are we focused only on those five things, or what are we looking to do endgame? Those are the five things that we're going to start with, measuring, because we wanted to start small. There are many things that we could recycle. The problem is actually finding the services that we can you know, accommodate us at, in certain areas of the department. So these were the top five things that we knew that we could probably find service for, increase what we are already doing across the state. The manual that the team is trying to put together will have future items that we are looking at recycling, and we're going to give them free reign. If, you, if they want to do more and, uh, you know, they have somebody that's passionate like Corey is at Elger and they want to recycle other things other than the top five that we're going to require, we're going to tell them to go for it. I think at that point it's going to be a matter of just being able to find the vendors and whether or not the state of Michigan is going to back those vendors or if it's going to be a grassroots thing at each facility, FOA, BOA. So we're hoping that the more vendors we have involved, the more products that we'll be able to recycle, repurpose, reuse. It, the idea is essentially that uh, we want to expand it as much as possible, especially someone like me or there's, there's a lot of people on our team who are inspiring, strong-minded, confident people who want to get as much recycled as possible. In this case, it's a matter of baby steps. And uh, one of the outgrowths, you, you touched on it just a little bit, is that there'll be, at the end of this process, there'll be a manual that each office or facility is going to have. And, and what I know it's not done and you're still working on this, but what do you envision that looking like if somebody picks it up? What are they going to see when they flip that open? So what we're trying to do is break it down by areas. There's a lot of restrictions in the fact that certain offices, like FOA field offices, we have single person office. Right. Um, so that's a bit different than a full correctional facility where they have all sorts of things to recycle in, in large amounts. Finding a vendor to supply services to those different sites is you know, night and day. Not to mention what is produced at a correctional facility for recycling versus a business office where there's one or two people. 
is night and day. So, you know, one might be paper and cardboard and the other one's going to be everything. So um, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to break it down for um, FOA, BOA, CFA, and all the intricacies that are required in each area. So CFA will have a lot of the security elements involved with it. FOA has issues where we have some of the FOA offices at county buildings that already provide recycling. So that's a great thing where other areas are, you know, lease spaces that don't provide recycling. So we have to encompass all of that in our plan. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what do you do? Because you talked about requirements earlier, and I don't want people to freak out at that word. But yeah. So that one person that's in a office that's in a county building, are they going to have to document you know, what they put in the county recycling <laughs> bin? How is that going to work? That's part that we have not completely okay. f- uh, finished or solved yet. Okay, so we'll have to have you back on to figure yeah. out what, <laughs> find out what the, what the ultimate uh, solution is for that. But you mentioned that it's not just the recycling, that it's also just ways in which we can be more green and be more mindful of, of what we consume, right? That's part of this team? Yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes with that. We're looking at ways to fund recycling opportunities, furniture being shared or reused, mattresses being shared, reused, recovered, one-time use batteries being recycled, chargeable batteries being recycled. There's different ways that a lot of this stuff can be done right now or reused. Corey, you have more expertise in this area. Sure. I, I, I laugh at the idea you're using that word expertise so loosely, um, <laughs> especially when you're talking to me. But there are a couple of things that at the CFA sites, I can say, and specifically our site here at Alger Correctional, we've been focusing on a variety of things. One of the things was repurposing. So we try and repurpose as much as possible. And one of the things we were doing that with was the mattresses that he mentioned. Over the course of, say, I think the last six years or so, we had repurposed some 500 mattresses at quite a cost savings. At the same time, it's also removing uh, those things from the landfills. At the same time, we're also using the recovering for pillows. That was a really good thing as well. So collectively, we saved, I don't know, $25,000 just from doing those two things on top of the environmental aspect. Of course, we're trying to reuse as much as possible, so some of the things that we get from some of our vendors, primarily like, say, MSI, Michigan State Industries, we try and reuse the items that would normally be throwaway or or even recycling in a good way, uh, but before the recycling aspect, to repurpose it and, and reduce if possible. So we reuse a lot of those items where we can, too. There's a variety of different items that we do that with. Throwing away is the very last choice we have, uh, and I don't even like to think of it as throwing away. I think of it as adding to the landfill and labeling things that way so that we know that it just doesn't disappear. It's, it's ending up someplace. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, you, mm-hmm. you throw something away, it disappears from your house, but it, it's going somewhere. That's a, that's a very good point. I'm, I'm glad you made that. You know, listening to what you're saying, so are we expecting to have some savings out of this initiative? Yeah, that's one of the metrics we're going to try and track. It's it's really challenging, though. That It's not going to be an exact science, but uh, we're hoping to get a, like at least a baseline and to be able to show improvements from year to year, or at least, uh, quarter to quarter even. If we standardize these things, that's our hope and intent. We're going to be asking for certain metrics from vendors that supply the services that we require that will actually give us some numbers to build upon. The internal stuff, like the green initiative stuff that we're doing, that'll be a little harder to track, you know, when it comes to like office chairs being sent over to Saginaw to be refurbished instead of buying new. Not everybody knows about that program. Pablo is on our team, runs that program over at Saginaw, and he's chomping at the bit to do all the chairs in the department. So, And I have to say, I'm sorry to interject again, but he does an amazing job. We've seen the product pre and post, so before and after. And many of the chairs that we're seeing coming back are in amazing shape. They look brand new. On top of the savings, we're not throwing it away, and we're getting good product back. 
Yeah. A shout out to Pablo. That's, that's a nice little shout out there, guys. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Then, I mean, if, if staff want to do those kind of things, they how do they find out about that? How, is there a mechanism to do all this? All this? Not not currently. That's part of the problem. It's always been word of mouth, or you know, if you knew somebody or somebody knew of that process, that's what we want to put in this manual to let everyone know. It'll be on DOS. We're not going to print it out for everybody. We are the green recycling <laughs> Good team, Good so it'll be electronically <laughs> for them to look at and read. They can print it out if they want, but I don't recommend it. And it will give them the directions on where to go and who to go to and, and the things that they can do to help with green initiatives like that. I got so many more questions, Chris, but you know, one of the things that I'm thinking off the top of my head right now is in moving towards a green department is our new computer system, right? I mean, that's going to stop. I was just going to mention that, yeah. It's going to stop lots of people from printing files and having paper not all the place. Paper is we're <laughs> going to be going much more. You can scan all the documents. Yeah. In. So, so especially for FOA, yeah. you know, we have files full of folders, tons of paper in those folders. So, you know, if, we, if we're able to scan things into our system now and have it in there and not have to create a file full of papers, that helps. Corey, how are staff accepting or taking this green initiative? That's actually kind of funny you ask. I think in part, buy-in from staff comes in large part from the way it's presented. And if it's presented in a way where they see the benefit, then we see people striving for the same things that we're hoping for. If you approach them with a holier-than-thou attitude, oftentimes you see defensive attitudes coming back towards you, and therefore they're not going to buy in. And and that's the case probably no matter where you go. It's well known that I'm the guy, or one of the people, many people here actually, who are very focused on making sure we are environmentally respectful and responsible. So here, we probably run the entire spectrum. Everybody from very passionate to, I throw things away, there's no such thing as a landfill. The, The people who are in our leadership at this place and the management staff that we have here are excellent for that. They all understand the value in trying to do what it is the Epic team is trying to do in this case. So we have partial buy-in, but I think what Trevor's getting at is trying to get a streamlined understanding of how to take advantage of the programs that we're trying to develop. And I think if that's the case, and we put some incentive out there besides just helping the environment, that there's some sort of incentive out there for even the prisoners to recycle batteries. We have prisoners who are inquiring about it at times. So even down to the prisoner level, we're seeing people who are inquiring for it. So this is a good thing. I think it's going well. Good. And just just to wrap up, we've touched on it a little bit, and and both of you talked about some of the financial savings that are going to come with this, but I know that that's not really the driving force behind it. And I know that Director Washington, who put this committee together and was really focused on this, I wonder if maybe both of you could take just a minute to say, you know, why the department is doing this, but why it's important to be more green and to to have this team put together and look at these issues globally. Me personally, number one, I think it's the environment. We have some passionate people. I think the governor currently, I know our director is very passionate about it. She got this team together before there were any new directives in that area. It it comes from personal beliefs. I believe in recycling myself. It can be a money saver. It's not so much as a revenue generator anymore. The markets for recyclables have shrunk. China doesn't purchase a lot of our recyclables anymore, but it's still good for the environment. The director told us that right from the get-go of this team, that she's aware that there may be costs with some of these things, but she's willing to do that to help provide a better environment for the future. Corey? Well, I think a lot of what he was saying rings true in my mind as well. One thing I would say I'd like to add to that, beyond my opinion and beyond what I, how I feel the environment impact is from our actions, there's a scientific aspect. The scientific aspect and the results that we're seeing from surveys, what we're seeing from clinical tests, what we're seeing in just overall observation is that the recycling is a good thing in general. Those, those scientific results have shown that we are doing some pretty negative things to the environment. The, the negative impact that we're doing affects all of us, and whether you believe it or not is almost irrelevant. 
So in our case, I got to say, uh, I'm very proud to be part of a team driven to not only raise awareness about how our actions and the department actions as a whole affect the environment, but a team to also develop process changes that may lessen these negative impacts that we're doing. It's pretty inspiring to witness a strong-minded team and confident team such as the one we work with collectively to solve these problems that have been taxing the department for such a long time now. Now, granted, we may be at the forefront with other departments, but we all have room to grow. We all have things that we could do better. And I think those people who have eco-anxiety will appreciate the fact that there are people within this department, from the leadership down to the lowly levels of the ethic committee, that are driven to do the best that we can and make things easier for everybody else so they can also help. It's very well said by both of you guys. And, you know, we can't thank you guys, Corey and, and Trevor, for that matter, everybody on the team. I, I think you said there's 30, 33 or 30. Immediately right now, we have, I believe we have 19 right now, Trevor. Yeah, active right now. And how long has the committee been going? Just about a year. Do you have any sense of when you May might, of 2018. When it, when it would wrap up? We're working on the manual right now. We, I think we have pretty much everything we need for the manual. So everybody on this team, including you two, thank you guys. You know, sincerely, thank you guys. Because, I mean, you don't even know the impact that this team is going to have years from now. We can't thank you enough. You know, you have, you have a normal job, too. You're taking time out because you're passionate about this and you, and you want to make a difference. And what you're doing is going to make a difference. So, Corey, Trevor, thank you guys for, number one, being on the team. And number two, for what you do every day for the department. And number three, for coming on field days and uh, talking about what you guys are doing. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me. Well, Chris, it's always nice to hear from our really dedicated staff talking about green initiatives and what we're doing around the department, you know, for the environment and, and to better the environment. You know, we're, we're making strides. The recycling EPIC team is, is doing some great work. Hopefully staff will see the results come out in a manual in the near future. So thanks to those guys for coming out. We really, really do appreciate it. But moving forward here, Chris, last Friday was a big day for FOA. We've already announced on this podcast the Corrections Officer of the Year which, again, was Stephen Cookland from the ARU. And he'll be on the podcast soon, I, I suppose, right? Very soon, yeah. We've got it all scheduled, and we're ready to go. Yeah, so a couple of weeks, you'll be able to hear that. Yeah, so it'll be exciting for everybody to listen to him and uh, you know what went into getting that award and being the Officer of the Year. But last Friday in FOA, we announced the Candace Dunn Parole Probation Agent of the Year this year. And it's a very exciting time. I love it. It's fun to go out and surprise the person who gets it last year. As you know, it was actually Stephen's wife. It was Tony Cookland. So we traveled up to Tuscola and announced it up there. And you know, it's always fun to see the reaction. They don't know that Deputy Director Marlin is coming. Uh, and this year was no different. We traveled down to the Detroit area. Are you going to do drum rolls? Or? I'm sure everybody knows who was on it. was on social media. But uh, this year's agent of the year was Jason Mao. He's a probation agent at Southwest District Probation in Detroit. And a friend of the pod. Yeah, he's a huge friend of the pod. It was fun. He, he was surprised. And, you know, Deputy Director Marlin had some nice words for him. And then he said, go ahead, Jason. You know, you can talk to your staff. They were all in the conference room with him. And he did a really amazing job for not knowing that we were coming down there and, and that he was getting this award. He did a really good job, didn't you think? Better than you at your at this job. Yeah, better than me than this job that I get paid for. I think yeah. Yeah, he did a very good job. And then he, I think I appreciated most about his talk was that he asked if we could fire you yes because he, sure, he would like to co-host sure the podcast so, yeah that, that and was, i was all about it so. that was a very funny line that jason <laughs> that jason said and i'm all for that too by the way <laughs> but yeah he i said you know and jason what else this means is you have to come on the podcast now and be a guest finally and he said well i was hoping you'd say that because i really want to take your job and be on the podcast and host it so <laughs> we'll see how he does you know yeah, if, i think he's gonna do great yeah I, I do too after talking with him there and just listening to his passion for the job speaking of his passion some of the stuff that he was nominated for was and I'll just read some of this, other than, you know, Jason being just absolutely awesome at his job down there and 
all the extra stuff that he does. It says, continuing his pursuit of growth, Jason applied for and was accepted to be trained as a motivational interviewing coach. Jason started coaching groups at Southwest Probation and has continued this effort. Jason has always been an outspoken advocate for motivational interviewing and its benefits for the department. He stated that through MI, quote, offenders are still held accountable to their conditions of probation. MI is a way to help people find their own reasons for change. I have used reflective listening to diffuse confrontational situations and help find solutions to problems. Every interaction is a chance to make a positive impact. That kind of goes to what we always say, right? Yeah. Every interaction, interaction matters. matters. That's right. So every interaction is a chance to make a positive impact on an offender. That positive impact may help prevent another violation. This belief that people can change continues. That's the direct quote from Jason when he's in these groups talking and coaching, that it matters. And I think what he does is making an impact, and it does it does matter. So there's five pages here of great stuff that Jason's doing down there. We'll get into that more when we have him on, on the podcast. Some upcoming events, Chris. Rec Day. Employee Rec Day is coming up very, very fast. Yeah, you've, I, I'm sure you've been seeing lots of emails about it. I know there's sure you sign up. snow on the ground you know, this past weekend, but hopefully by June 7th is when Rec Day is down here at uh, Royal Scott. Golf and Bowling Center Extravaganza place. It's it's a very nice place. Mm-hmm. It's not my pleasant, but it, I... It was, it was good. Uh, we, we can edit that part out. But <laughs> seriously, by, hopefully by June 7th, the snow is gone and we're able to golf and have some fun outside and have a have a basketball tournament and whatever else they're planning to do. But um, 7th is the date, not the number of hours it will take to play golf. <laughs> I just want to make sure that people understand that. Uh, you've been promised that it's going to be cut in half this year, I think? Yeah, I think so. So I think they're opening more holes up. Yeah. Last year we played 18. I think this year they're going to open up 27 holes to spread everybody out a little more. So it'll be it'll be a faster round of golf for everybody. So please don't worry about that. But do mark your calendars for June 7th. It's Friday. And it will be in Lansing at the Royal Scott Golf and Bowling Center. May 7th is another big day yeah, for the sooner. What's going on May 7th? That's Employee Awards Banquet. That's so right. we're all very excited about that. If you still need to learn more about that, you can go back and listen to, uh, we had Dina Gramatico on, who's going to be the MC this year. She's going to do a great job. We're very much looking forward to having her there. So we'll have all of our award winners that you're going to be hearing from on the pod for the next couple of weeks. So hopefully everybody can get their tickets uh, now. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, just make sure you show up. It's a, it's a great time to really celebrate the wonderful staff that we have, you know, and to show them a little kudos for a year well done. Yeah. And I would say in terms of celebrating our staff and all of our accomplishments, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, Director Washington has been asked to go to the White House, has been asked to go back to D.C. to talk to different forums and symposiums. It really speaks to how much our department is viewed as a national leader in corrections. I know Russ had a story at one of his conferences recently where people were pointing to him as what state is really doing things right. Yep. Uh, and so th- that was the, great. The whole table so, pointed directly to him and yeah. said Michigan's doing it right. Yeah, so. so I think our staff can't hear that enough because I think when, when we're either at our well, it's facilities... it's because of them. It's because of them. Yeah, exactly. They, I don't think they sometimes they realize that the things they do in their in their office and that interaction with a probation aid or probationer um, in their cubicle or an officer walking in the yard, all of the things that, that are happening cumulatively are making are a huge difference and are being recognized nationally. So that's really great to see. And it's because of that, some of the things I can't get into just yet, but just know that we've, we're having several national radio and print reporters that are going to be either have been already or are coming to some of our facilities in the next few weeks to do stories about some of the things that are going on. So I'm really excited to be able to share those when they come out because we're going to have some really good national coverage of some of the big initiatives that we've got going on. So it's been very exciting to, to work on those, and I can't wait to share the fruits of those uh, once those come out but it's been, a, it's been a great start to the year yeah. no, that's because there's been so much interest so far. That's a great point because, you know, a lot of people will say it and, and feel that this is a thankless job, right? They're trying to help people, and they don't always get that thanks. They, they see people violate once in a while. They, they see some success stories, but um, they don't always get that thank you. I think this podcast is just another avenue that we can make sure that we thank 
everybody that works here for the difference that they're making. You may not hear it every day, but we're going to try as much as we can on the podcast to show you stories like that, where we're being recognized, the director's going to D.C., the media's coming in to see what we're doing. Other states are trying to copy what we're doing, and it's because of everybody that works uh, for us in the, in, the, in the work that they're doing. So thank you very much for what you do. So, Chris, what do we got next week on the podcast? Let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Next week, we are going to have a topic that we've not talked about before on the podcast, something very unique to corrections. There's some states that do this, but we are mm-hmm. going to have on director of our Shakespeare in prison program. Yeah. So you probably weren't even aware that we even had Shakespeare in prison. I was simply because I know some of them are continuing, you know, working with Shakespeare in, in this theater when they're released. So I didn't know that. Awesome. We had the director on and her name's Franny and she did a great job and I can't wait to have everybody listen to her next week to learn more about what we're doing because it has value. It has a lot of value inside, and uh, I think prisoners are, are doing an amazing job uh, in the program. So uh, if you want to know more about it, make sure you tune in next week to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.